0: I woke up in the morning and took a trip to the corner store. That's when I heard my calling. There is a crisis of masculinity in Canada and it needs to be addressed. This crisis is manifesting in high rates of male suicide, domestic violence, and male on male violence. I designed this episode because I felt tired tired of hearing from the men in my life that they felt perpetually inadequate. Tired of knowing that males account for 75% of suicides in the Canadian age group of 20-29 to year olds. Tired of knowing that, despite all of the progress modern feminism has made, men still feel fundamentally uncomfortable sitting down and talking about things other than women and sports with their peers. I was tired of hearing that male friends don't talk to each other about their feelings, that they never felt that they could have enough women, better grades, or a nicer body. I couldn't hold the where I All of these be, social issues to point to be. the importance of undefining masculinity and improving mental health in males today. Jake Stila is a nonprofit leader who runs a renowned charity called Next Gen Men. Join Jake and I in today's episode as we discuss the 007 male ideal, why he founded Next Gen Men, and what it means to undefine masculinity. A warning that mental health topics will again be discussed in today's episode. Those who are listening and in a dark place should seek help and turn to the resources in this episode's description. I hope you realize that you are never alone. Thank you again for joining me on Dialogical Humanism. Let's talk about what it means to be a man. You try all the same But you'll never know this mystery There's no tide on your plane So you're not the men you used to be you Try all the game but you'll never know this mystery when your pie has no plane Said you're not the man you used to be, saying
1: Losing sight of what matters Hi everyone, the-
0: welcome back to Dialogical Humanism. On today's episode about the crisis of masculinity in Canada, we want to put forth an argument that patriarchy may be as damaging for men as it is for women. I've got an incredibly special guest with me here today. He is the co-founder and executive director of a nonprofit that is Alberta-based and dedicated to raising the next generation of healthier men. He's a passionate speaker and facilitator focused on gender-based issues related to the social and emotional development of young men, the health and well-being of men in communities, and gender equity in workplaces. He's even recently been named one of Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 and has spoken everywhere from the UN to Brazil and all over the world on the topic of the, cras- the crisis of masculinity and why it's so important to advocate for gender equity in all environments. His name is Jake. Jake, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to share with the, the listeners, um, I actually am now Vancouver-based oh. um, and <laughs> actually, then operates in British Columbia, uh, Alberta, and Ontario. Wow.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Oh, that was a weird email notification. I hope that wasn't me. That was We, me. Can, we can edit that out. Yeah, we can definitely edit that out. <laughs> okay. For the listeners who didn't quite catch that, um, Jake's nonprofit organization is actually now active in BC, Alberta, and Ontario. So I really look forward to discussing all of the work that your chapters do, Jake, in just a couple minutes. So, you know what? My first question for you today is an introduction to this topic for everyone who's listening. I was just wondering, how would you explain the concept of, quote unquote, stereotypical or hegemonic masculinity to a layperson? And why is it sometimes dangerous for men to feel the need to conform to this particular stereotype?
1: Yeah, so um, not to get too theoretical, since we're kind of working on this layperson idea, um but the way that I've kind of wrapped my head around it is, is, you know, if we look at Connell's hierarchy of masculinities, hegemonic kind of sits atop that pyramid. Um, and then beneath that we have uh, complicit masculinity beneath that we have uh, marginalized masculinity and beneath that we have subordinate masculinity. And I think that you can start to begin to understand that hegemonic masculinity when you see that whole pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. So in a pyramid at the top, there's actually very little room and Um, that hegemonic masculinity, an example that I've used a lot, is uh, 007. So, you know, Daniel Craig, he's super fit, he's handsome, he's got fast cars, he's got, you know, beautiful women, money, all those kinds of things. And that's kind of what media and culture puts forward to us men as like, oh, look at this ideal. This is something cool. This is something to aspire to, to work towards. But then, you know, looking down beneath that into that complicit masculinity piece, many of us look at Daniel Craig and we're like, I can never have abs like that. I can, you know, <laughs> never drive a car like that. I can never, you know, like it starts to get these feelings of inadequacy and, and the inability to, to get towards those things. And, you know, if we were to stru- start striving to get to that, you know, 007 level, we're going to ultimately compete because there's very little room at that top And another great example, kind of riffing on the 007 piece, beneath that complicit masculinity is that marginalized masculinity. And that's often where like men of color exist and stuff like that. And they may be privileged. They may have, you know, the fitness like athletes or the status like musicians and those kinds of things. But socially, because we also live, you know, you know, a white supremacist culture, they, they still can't get to that top. And a good example is when people lost their minds that 007 might be Idris Elba because they're like, a black man can't be 007. Mm. Like that that just, you know, is beyond Mm. comprehension. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so uh, there was a massive like cultural freak out in and around that. And then beneath that is that subordinate masculinities where, um, you know, Uh, gay men, trans men, metrosexuals, men who just kind of buck that entire like masculinity concept exist, right? They're like, we're just not even going to participate in this. So I think to like understand that hegemonic masculinity piece, you kind of have to, it's, we often talk about just the tip of that pyramid, but if we look at the bottom of the pyramid, we start to see the bigger picture.
0: That's, that's really fascinating to me because Coming from a place even just as a Canadian university student, I think we often fail to realize how incredibly diverse the manifestations of that 007 character are in magazines, in the media, even how we might portray the ideal male student just coming from a university background. And I think it's really interesting how you pointed out the intersectionality between, of course, that 007 stereotype and other forms of oppression in our culture, such as colonialism and also the, uh, the the way we view certain queer communities and people of color, how oftentimes men f- are feel compelled to participate in this ideal or fail. And that really leads me into my next question for you, Jake, which is, how would you explain what your organization does and why is it important to men today?
1: Totally. Um, for us, we kind of boil down our core competencies to positive masculinities, uh, healthy relationships and gender equity. And um, that might still, you know, ruffle some feathers with feminine averse uh, men. Um, The positive masculinities piece I think we put in there is just to really combat that idea of quote unquote toxic masculinity. It gets thrown around a lot. um, And you know, inevitably there's folks who've kind of adopted that and say, well, masculinity itself isn't toxic, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, that hegemonic masculinity. We're talking about that, that competition Mm. to the top to that 007 Mm. ideal that often then manifests as such. But, you know, with that diversity of masculinities and the, the, which is the reality because, you know, mine is different than someone else's This is different than someone else's around the world. Right. we really need to stop putting masculinity as a monolith right we need to start talking about it as multiple masculinities and many of them are positive right so just amplifying and identifying those characteristics the healthy relationships piece i think is really important to that as well Um, whether that be romantic relationships your relationship with yourself as a man your relationship with your peers as men um that kind of is like all encompassing for us it's not just you know dating violence or consent or, or sexual yeah. assault or those kinds of things it, it, it really is um all relationships and then that gender equity piece is also really important for us because um you know we are a feminist organization we believe in the social economic political and all forms of economic uh, equality amongst all genders mm-hmm. so obviously mm-hmm. also throwing beyond the binary there um, and I think that that's just a, a fundamental piece of it as well. And also, I think for me personally, I don't know if everyone would always agree with me, but like when we say gender equity, it's not just inequality amongst genders, but there's again, going back to the Hedric masculinity and the competition piece, there's inequality amongst men. Absolutely. And so within that gender, we kind of encompass that as well too.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's uh, really fascinating to me because I think even amongst the men I know, I can almost see exactly what you're talking about, how hegemonic masculinity kind of sits at the top and then you've got your complicit and subordinate masculinities there. You see that ma- I see that manifesting in conversation. I see that manifesting in, in bullying. I see that manifesting in microaggressions against men who are perceived to be... Quote unquote queer, quote unquote feminine. And so you have that constant reinforcement of that 007 character that is increasingly and increasingly unattainable for many, many men. And so this is a little digression from the list of questions I have for you today, Jake, but I thought it might be good to explain to listeners when we talk about masculinity, what precisely are these characteristics that are associated with hegemonic masculinity? Because I have a friend who took a gender studies course and the way he explained imagining a new concept of gender was really interesting to me. He said, well, my aim in life is I hope that someday we can just envision a grocery store of characteristics and whether you identify as a male, female or neither, you can go into that grocery store and identify and adopt whichever characteristics you feel are best for your personality. I was wondering if you could speak to how men feel about adopting certain characteristics or being opposed to certain
1: characteristics just from your work yeah you know i actually really jive with what your friend had said there um for me i think the goal of next gen men and the work that we're trying to do you know right now our vision is written as redefining what it means to be a man and actually thinking on it like you know, we might have to change that because I think about it as undefining, right? Mm, because mm. redefining would say, I'm going to offer you a new way of, of kind of describing that. But I don't want to offer that. I just want to strip the existing definition. Absolutely. And um, in the work that we're doing, I really would like us to stop quantifying things as either masculine or feminine, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. certain leadership traits are masculine. And, you know, we're already putting a hierarchy that we're measuring against there and women won't be able to stack up. And then on the flip side of that, if we say that, you know, caregiving is feminine, men will be measured against that measuring stick and we won't stack up. And you know, there are certain people and movements that are, are really talking about, you know, uh, men and women have masculine and feminine energies and those kinds of things it doesn't really jive with me, I think, because inevitably, we're still using those measuring sticks and they're wrong. Um, So I I love the grocery store idea. And I think what we really have to overcome as men choosing our ingredients of what makes us is, again, going back to that measuring stick metaphor. um, Currently, this hegemonic masculinity and this, this patriarchal culture that we exist within dictates that to be masculine is to not be feminine right so it's the anti yeah and so we choose those ingredients that are anti-feminine that are hard that are tough that are unflinching and those kinds of things to, to to be more masculine and um it causes a lot of um kickback because if you think about you know i think about the 12 to 14 year old boys um that we work with like the biggest insults levied against them are homophobic, misogynistic, right? It's it's all about their measure of masculinity. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. that's where we need to abolish those measuring things.
0: Absolutely. I think I just want to reiterate what you said for any of our listeners today who don't have a social sciences background. It's a common concept in the social sciences of other with a capital O, where certain categories that we have in our world are fundamentally dependent on the denial of other groups or other populations' characteristics or rights. And so I really also jive with what you said, Jake, in relationship to whichever way we frame the issue when it comes to masculinity or femininity, one side is always losing. I really jive with what you said because it emphasizes just how fundamentally dependent our idea of hegemonic masculinity is on an idea of submissive femininity, really. And I think that's something that I hope will lead into my next question because right now I just want to speak from personal lived experience Um, as a female I definitely have male friends who, as you mentioned, have received homophobic con uh, comments have received misogynistic comments made against them and I have seen that affect their mental health substantially. On another note, as a female, I've also had my share of unhealthy relationships. And I think those can also be attributed to men feeling the need to constantly put down females to become that 007. And I was wondering if you could speak to those two specific issues just from your lived experience and your experience dealing with other men, how specifically um, those comments can affect mental health and also how this idea of hegemonic masculinity might be leading to some pretty
1: bad relationships between men and women. Totally. There's a lot to unravel there. There's a few different questions, I guess.
0: Yeah, sorry. Um,
1: (laughs) uh, I mean, I just think, you know, if the way that we police men and their masculinity is constantly asking them to prove it uh, through holding them down with measures of femininity or or homophobia or those kinds of things, it's exhausting. It's Mm -hmm. a facade. Right, that we need to constantly put up and it and it really does weigh on our mental health. Um, you know, one of your questions here is is around uh, why did we why did we start next gen then? Yeah. For me in my early twenties, I was struggling with depression and a lot of the uh, depression I was dealing with was internal dialogue around you know, who I viewed myself to be and how I should be in the world and beating myself up for not feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. anything that anyone put on me. I didn't get called, you know, a girl or anything like that by any of my peers. But it was just the deeply rooted ideas of what I thought it was to be a man and how I, what I grew up with. And that was me in my early 20s and then a little bit younger than that, um, my uh, co-founder and and best friend unfortunately lost his 13-year-old brother to suicide. And, um, you know, there's mental health involved with that as well. But um, a part of that was we think homophobic bullying. We think that he may have been gay and not out of the closet yet. And so to lose a young man and, you know, a light in this world to that ridicule of, Masculinity or identity or lack of belonging uh, is a tragedy, and you know, um, losing too many men—you know, three out of four suicides are men—to the types of dialogues that I was having in my head is a tragedy, and um, you know, even if these people aren't dying uh, at their own hands, oftentimes they're they're perpetrating that violence, whether it be against women, against um, queer people, against uh, other you know, marginalized masculinities in their sphere, it's also a tragedy, right? And so if I think about this crisis of quote-unquote masculinity, um, I think a lot of it is the tragedy that we as men are perpetrating upon ourselves and those around us, um, not necessarily on terms of like what society has levied against us and we're all of a sudden suffering around this, but this system, this overarching structure, um, you know, is, is is a burden on us. And, you know, we talk a lot about patriarchy um, in terms of men over women, but realistically patriarchy, much like capitalism or democracy or all these kinds of things is a, is a system that we all participate in and are, are all affected by. So, you know, I think it, it's behooves us to take that step back and definitely, you know, look at the issues that um, people of other genders are facing, but include men and boys in that conversation as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, Jake. I really want to sit and really just emphasize you repeatedly use the word um, participate. And I think that's something that I really want to highlight to everyone listening today. Right now, Jake is talking about how hegemonic ideas of what it means to be a man speaking to that 007 stereotype who is hypersexual, hyperaggressive, hypermasculine, hyperviolent, and bringing light to the fact that these are ideals that most members of our culture, I would say, participate in upholding through small actions each and every day. I would even admit to myself, a younger version of me being guilty of making misogynistic or homophobic comments against my male friends, and now only becoming older, realizing what a terrible toll this takes on male mental health specifically. And so thank you, Jake, for bringing up that concept of how in small ways, oftentimes, these seemingly extreme ideals become participatory and how people continue to uphold these and the small things that they say and the small things that they do. Jake, It's been an incredible conversation today to introduce this idea. And I kind of want to leave off the interview on more of a positive note and just really give a huge shout out to the incredible work that you're doing with Next Gen Men. And it's just really inspiring to me, especially as a woman and a person who identifies as a feminist, but more importantly, as a critical anthropologist who wants to reimagine these categories for absolutely everyone in our culture and our society right now. I was wondering if you could speak to maybe... One of the best moments you've had with Next Gen Min in the last couple years. What was one event that really struck a chord with you and showed that, you know, this is work that needs to be done and l- that you look forward
1: to doing? Oh, it's hard to choose just one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I just think about, I'll put it in categories, right? Okay. Like okay. We work with youth, we work in communities, and we work in workplaces. And I think about the youth that we work with, primarily roughly around 12 to 14 years old, um, sometimes a bit older, sometimes a bit younger. But you know, I think about myself at that age. I grew up in Catholic school. Um, there was nobody who was out in my school I didn't know what a trans person was. And i never heard of feminism. And I look at these boys and at their age, they know all those things. Right. And they're working with our staff on giving themselves permission to stay curious, to stay open. And realistically, that is what the next generation of men is about. Right. Like um, we can't undo the way I grew up. We can't undo the way that men older than me grew up, but we can change it for that generation after us. So that's really uplifting. If I think about some of the community-based work, you know, there's there's folks who, you know, in this pandemic, uh, they need, you know, mental health and community supports. Um, you know, there's people who gravitate towards w- our work because they see the goal, the end goal, and and it gives an opportunity and a safe space for them to work on these things. A quick side story, you know, I know this guy, he, he told me, you know, I have a feminist wife, I have two daughters, you know, I wanna be better. I, I think that you know, the work that you're doing is really important. And um, you know, in this one chat, uh, there's a group chat and, and you know, I saw him, him participating in a way that I thought was counter to his goals, what he said to me. And I just said, hey, man, can I give you a little bit of feedback? Um, you know, and we had a really great conversation where I said, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because of the conversation we had about your goals and, and whatnot. Um, and I explained some stuff and he said, you know, I want to like stand up for what I did, but I know that that's just to like, you know, cover my ego and guilt um, but you know, I really appreciate you you creating this space and like you know being gentle about it and and working on this with me. And I think that that's that's the work that needs to be done. We're doing a lot of. Um, calling out versus calling in where we're using shame and guilt to get people to change versus like you know inviting them into a conversation you know not not making it about them Mm -hmm. as a whole person but about that action that Mm -hmm. they did and and that's that participatory piece because if you frame it that way they can then choose not to participate versus it being their whole identity um i see that sounds aggressive but effective (laughs) That's, and, that is good. <laughs> and then, you know, uh if I think about workplaces, you know, I'm really I'm a staunch supporter of men taking parental leave. I think that more men doing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm, um, will will create a lot more gender equity in all of our systems and structures. Yeah. And I'm just really excited to be having those types of conversations with, with men in, in male dominated workplaces.
0: Absolutely. As we conclude the interview today, Jake, I just want to reemphasize that whole conversations piece, because, again, that's also what this whole podcast is about. I hope that these conversations that people are listening to can inspire people to eventually just be comfortable with who they are and feel proud of who they are, because I think whether you identify as a male, female or non-binary at all, that's something that all of us as, as humans are trying to do. We're trying to feel more comfortable in our own skin. and We're trying to feel proud of the things that we've done and the things that we hope to do. And to any men who are listening right now, if you've ever felt ashamed for, quote unquote, having f- traits that you perceive as feminine, such as maybe more more of an inclination towards caretaking, or maybe you love absolutely expressing your style. Maybe you love talking to your friends about your actual feelings and not about women or sports. You know, if you identify with these certain characteristics, just understanding that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you being you. And there's absolutely a movement right now towards helping men feel comfortable feeling and doing whatever they want to do. It is with their personality, that is. And so, Jake, I was wondering if you had any last words for any men who might be in a similar place to you when you were younger and having that really negative dialogue surrounding who you should be in terms of a masculine ideal and just really beating yourself up about that.
1: I would just say that it's a journey, you know, like learning and unlearning is a lifelong process. Um, I think a lot of us think that at some point we'll, we'll get it, whatever it is, um, but you know, it's just leveling up. You know, once you see one perspective, you get to fight the next boss mode, right? And, <laughs> um, you know, throw in some video games there as male stereotypes, but um, leadership is not masculine. Emotion is not masculine Absolutely. or feminine rather, you know, like none of these things have to be codified. It's all human,
0: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like
1: we we all breathe, we all pump blood, and we all feel things, and we all experience the world in different ways. And so if we can normalize that, remind ourselves of that on a regular basis, then I think we're better off.
0: Absolutely everyone this has been Jake he is the co-founder and executive director at next gen men they've got chapters right now in Vancouver Alberta and Ontario and they are always accepting donations and new volunteers for the incredible work that they do towards educating men to be whoever they want to be and leading to a next generation of healthier men that can hopefully combat the crisis of masculinity in Canada which has unfortunately been manifesting in increasing rates of male suicide of domestic violence and male on male violence jake i'll definitely be following you guys on instagram and everything after this i was just wondering if you could tell everyone listening like what your website is what your socials
1: are and yeah uh we're at www.nextgenmen.ca and on all of the socials at nextgenmen.
0: awesome awesome and they sell really cool socks guys um
1: <laughs> i saw that's those those fun. are great
0: <laughs> that's the real movement I know exactly yeah gender equality is really important Jake but you know socks higher quality socks that's that's the next frontier
1: that's what'll take us to the next level (laughs)
0: absolutely absolutely thank you so much again for helping me raise awareness for these incredible incredibly important issues and I really commend the work that you do so thank you so much Jake
1: no worries thanks for the time Jen
0: yeah of course Everyone, this has been Dialogical well, Humanism. You Thank you so much for tuning in today. Try all the game, but you'll never know this mystery When your pie has no plane Said you're not the
1: man you used to be Sing. Losing sight of what matters Them in my demeanor in the brightness of the flatter And is the chatter of a room filled with candor Replaced by fumes that conclude with the banter